Hello and welcome to That Band Life. I'm Jeff Young, a teacher from Carmel, Indiana. And I'm Bobby Lambert, director of bands at Wando High School in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. That Band Life, a podcast about making our careers as music educators more fulfilling so we can be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. Before we begin, I'd like to tell you about the Dynamic Marching Shop. This podcast is coming to you ad-free. One way you can support us is by visiting our website, dynamicmarching.com, and sign up for all or some of our awesome courses and instructional videos. You can also purchase products through our store at some of the most discounted prices on the web, on things like shoes, rifles, podiums, megavoxes, and flagpoles. I know that many times you continue to order your products from the same people every year, but if you look at our prices, you may change your mind. We even offer deeper discounts on large orders. Please give us a chance to win your business. So this week we are back after a long hiatus of just trying to survive. Can we say post-COVID now? I guess it's sure. a little too early to say post-COVID. Is it? Mid, okay. Mid well, to late. <laughs> exactly. The, the uh, penultimate time of COVID. Uh, but we're really excited to be back. And we, when we came back, we started talking about what do we want to do? And Jeff made the statement a couple of days ago of, I, I love doing our podcasts, but I especially love it when we bring people on that can really energize and, and reinvigorate our love for what we do. And we thought Cam Stasa came to mind almost immediately as to who that needs to be. So if you don't know who Camilla Stasa is, better known as Cam Stasa, you must not have been in the band world for the past uh, 30 years. <laughs> Uh, so she was actually marched at the very first summer national championship in Whitewater, Wisconsin in 1976. And then she was drum major when she marched again in summer nationals in 1979, uh, which is just a great, like I've actually seen videos from the bands then with Bob Buckner's band, of course. And, you know, you, you almost think, well, it's 1979. How good could they have been? They were really good. Holy cow. Those kids could play. I mean, it was just amazing. And the, the 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 color guard, those rifle kids, man, just just some intense students. So I can only imagine what it was like to be a drum major at that time. <laughs> and then actually started as Bands of America summer camp color guard clinician and fall championship adjudicator in the 1980s. Joined the staff of music for of Bands of America, excuse me, at 1989 as director of operations. So basically the person that makes all that craziness go. Then in 2010, she left uh to go and be the associate director of admissions at Vandercook College of Music in Chicago, only to return as director of participant relations a little bit later. Bobby, now, you went there, right? Uh, well, actually, I taught at Vandercook. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, okay, I yeah. taught three three years as the, the marching band techniques class and then taught several summer sessions there. So Cam uh, and I, and a, well, sometimes it'd be, it would be a couple of others that would kind of pile up into her office or... Uh, uh, someone else's and, and, and to Stacy's office and just kind of chew the fat for a little while. Sure. And uh, so that was a really cool time to get to know Cam a little bit better. I think that if you've ever been to an event, and especially if you've ever had a problem, Cam is the one who can fix it. It's not a CEO. It's not the chief judge. It's going to be Cam <laughs> that, that takes care of you. So we want to, you know, welcome to the show, Cam. We're so excited that you're here. And just, we want to kind of just talk about what it's been like to be a lifelong 
Bands mm-hmm. of America person, really. And to see, you know, uh, when I talk about people like this, I say, you know where all the bodies are buried. <laughs> you know, Jimmy Hoffa, you probably know where he is too. I have no doubt. But we also want to kind of apply it to bands and band directors that are right now and, and you know, learn from some of the mistakes that you've seen band directors do uh, do over the years. And, you know, if I'm, my band's never come to a BOA event ever, how do we do that? And, and how, how harm, how painless is that? So let's, let's start at the beginning. Tell us about Cam, being... his questions are always multi-parted. It's hard to follow. And I love that. So we might have to back. <laughs> I'll, I'll come back. I'm just giving her an over. I was doing this for the listeners, but apparently we don't care about them. Do we, Jeff? <laughs> ah. He's, he's basically telling me you're talking too much. And so I'll shut up now. Cam. Thanks for being here. Tell us about being a band person and coming to some of the first BOA events. To this very day, I cannot thank my high school band director enough. What was his name? He, his name is Jim King. And fun fact, Jim King, who was the band director at Chessening High School, and I am also very grateful that my parents sent my my brother and I to Chessening High School because I, I had older siblings. And at the time, we were right on the edge of two communities. But my older siblings went to Owasso and they went to a Catholic school at the time. And then the school closed Mom and dad did not send us to Owasso High School, which granted, they had a music program, but not what I was going to get at Chesnang. And I have no reason to believe that mom and dad would have thought, oh my gosh, we have to go Chesnang. But thankfully we did. And because of that, I grew up in this incredible timeline with the middle school program and then going into the high school program that our director said, we're going to take the charter buses, not the school buses, but the (laughs) charters. And we're going to go around Lake Michigan to go to Whitewater, Wisconsin for that first event in 1976. And that was, it it was amazing. I I remember bits and pieces of it. I do also remember, which I think to this day, for folks who have been around us or have watched it live or in some other version, you know how we never have a structured, uh, uh, everybody getting off the field at the end of the show? That Mm -hmm. happened in 1976, because in 1976, I was just a young member in the color guard. I was up in the front. I was the finalist. So I'm on the field with these other bands, and I could tell that the weather changed. All of a sudden, the wind picked up, and there was a wall in front of us, just the way uh, White uh, Warhawk Stadium uh, is is set up. And I remember then that the announcer said, "Everyone, remain calm. You need to get to your buses now." And this entire field of all these finalist bands literally just go out <laughs> the one and only entrance exit that was there oh, at the time no. at Warhawk. <laughs> so it's like everybody is just, it's just mayhem and we're trying to go out to the buses. And then it's like the storm of all storms let loose when we got on those buses that were out in front of William Center, which is 
very different now. Uh, I have been up there recently, but yeah. Uh, th- so there was never from the beginning a structured, hey, let's march off the field in any structured manner. So I, I think it really started there in 76. I love that. And that's my story. And I'm sticking with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, as but, you were, as you, oh, no, go ahead, please keep going. Oh, you know, but then it was also interesting, even now, as for the time that I've spent around Bands of America, what I, another vivid moment that I have was going back as a drum major. And I thought as a drum major, they're never going to say my name right. I know that. I can tell you that today. And uh, Jim King kept saying, no, it's going to be okay. It's like, wait a minute. Why? Why? And come to find out, even back then, they were asking phonetic spellings of kids' names. And I, I will never forget being on a podium and hearing the announcer, Dick Janik, who was legendary pre-Chuck Henson, pre-Dan Potter, pre-John Pollard and any of the rest of our folks, that they said my name right. It was Stasa. And I just, I, I had a hard time starting the band up because I thought, oh my God, they just <laughs> said my name right. I'm the and queen. And it was just, such a a moment of, you know, and, and even then that was only a couple summers into this organization. And little did I realize that I would come back and start teaching at that summer camp in 1985. It was amazing. It was just amazing. And it felt good to say Whitewater to this day. It feels good because that's where it started. And it's just, oh, it's a warm, fuzzy feeling. It was so cool to see on the event that Music for All had, you know, talking about their history and the the, the big event oh, that they did this past. Yeah, yes. having Greg Bim standing at Whitewater, oh, like I was, was even really cool. <laughs> I was I was really taken by that. And I will give I will give a shout out here to my colleague James Stevens. Here we were in the pandemic, and James Stevens called me and said, "Cam, we need we need to make a trip up to Whitewater." And like, James, we're in a pandemic. I have not left my house. And he's talking to me. It's early October. He said, we have to go get footage. It's like, I'm sorry, wait, what are you talking about? He said, we need to go to Whitewater and you need to be on the trip. It's like, I I don't. I don't know that I can do that. I don't know that I can sit in a car with somebody who's not from my household for that long. And then he said, well, we're going to pick up Greg Bim. It's like, oh, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't process this. Like, okay, hold on. Let me think about it. But then Greg said he would meet us. It's like, okay, well, all right. I feel, I feel good about that. But James of all people got me in a car. We picked up Brian Hansen, our uh, video guy. And I sat in the back of a car with multiple masks. I had gloves on. I had enough Clorox wipes back there to hurt somebody. And <laughs> James got me up to Whitewater. And we got out of that car and we were all like kids in a candy shop. It was magical inside that stadium. And it was just crazy because I hadn't been there in years, like years. But we also couldn't talk about it. So Greg couldn't say anything on social media. I couldn't say anything and nor could James because we wanted to to come out during the live pledge event. So we were taking all these photos and I 
sat on those photos until that evening in November when we did the live pledge event. It was like, oh my gosh, look where I was back in October. So it was, it's just such part of history. And even if you're a drum corps person or a band person, that stadium has, it has, it's, it's legendary and people remember that. And that's what I like about this activity. I like the, the rich history that comes from it. There are still some band directors that I have talked to for 30 years that are still Mm -hmm. teaching, but there's not a lot of them because they've been retiring over the years. And so it's, it's, it's this beautiful blend now of the directors who I've worked with for years. I have gone through the birth of their children. I have gone through, you know, anything from their, their marriage, the years of marriage, if they had a divorce, wherever they were in the process of life. I just, I know these people because I find them fascinating. They are, they are good people in their heart. They are working with children all the time. And okay, they're going to make them play their instrument better or do their flag better, but they're making them, in my opinion, good human beings. The majority of those kids are not going to go out and be in music education or be uh, a, a performer, but they're going to go out in life and take all of these great skills that we've all heard. You know, the kids who've got better ACT and SAT scores and, and you know, the, all of these wonderful things that students learn, uh, working together, all of all of these Skills that they can take on into their life, no matter what their profession is, I find that fascinating that I then get to chat with these people who are the directors and have now made that a career in talking to these directors to say, come and get your kids involved because I love what you are doing. And purely by the grace of God, I'm not a band director. I think I would have made a great band director, but I wasn't a band director. I taught color guard for years. Oh my gosh. I taught color guard right out of high school, taught for years, but nobody put the seed in my head that I could be a band director. So I had the perfect trifecta that the band director, while he knew Jim King knew I loved and lived for band, but he never said, do you know that you could do this as a job? Do you know that this could be your profession? He never said those words. So it didn't go in my head. My counselors in high school. Yeah. I was just going to ask, how many female band directors did you know growing up? Hmm. That'd probably have to be zero. Yeah. I would imagine. It would probably have to be zero. Unless you're talking about elementary school music. Well, right. Almost all women. Right. Right. Yeah. No, and, and that is a very true statement. Very, very true statement. So you add even that element into it. There was, it just wasn't in my head. The the women that I knew were the guard instructor because they were married to the band director. I mean, if you really want to, you know, look at it that way. Very common. They were involved, but no, they were not the head director. And Counselors didn't say anything of, hey, you seem to really like this band thing. 
So they didn't say anything. And mom and dad didn't say anything. But I was the fifth of five children. They were just tired. And they had me very late <laughs> in life. So they, they didn't say anything either. So there's really no reason why I'm not a band director other than that never went in my head. But I started working with directors. I was doing camps all summer. That was my summer job. I was out like eight weekends in a row, either doing an actual camp or writing somebody's book and leaving it for them if they didn't want to have me stay. And those times were magical. But that's when I started to see who is the band director and, and, and what are their skills of how they're teaching their kids? Because I learned then very, very early on that when drill writers, for instance, were not giving them drill in time, the trickle down that came from that and the havoc, the pressure that put onto directors, music writers, as more folks got into, you know, not doing basically a stock chart type thing, but they were hiring folks to, to do their music. I, as time went on, said, hey, if you're going to write music, don't overextend yourself. Do the job for the clients you have, because that's now impacting those children. And I think that's just been there in my head so long that by the time Scott McCormick asked me to come work at the office, that I, I had been talking to band directors for years. And as I got to the office, I was one of five staff members, five, five of us, count us, in 1989, there were five <laughs> of us. And it, the concert band festival was not yet developed. We Summer camp was big, and we only had like four regionals and one Grand Nationals, and Grand Nationals was big at like 60. So you know, it was a different time, but for five of us, we were hopping and we were told, get band directors into the show, get band directors to send their kids to camp. It's like, well, I can talk to band directors. Scott, you can pull up the phone bills <laughs> to see what I do during my day yeah. because I was on the phone all day. And then I, the good little employee I took my little notepads home at night and wrote on Bands of America stationery. I wrote a little thank you note. Thank you for your time on the phone today. In this packet, I have enclosed the camp applications that you and I talked about. I also included the fall registration application just so that you've got it. So if that kind of works out for you, or let's keep talking about it. And then I would gather all of my handwritten notes. I'd go into the office the next day and do my own little mailing and gather all of the brochures and put the label on and all of those things and got it in the mail and did it all over again. Because we didn't have the internet. We didn't no. have email. We didn't have online registration. But whether it was back then or today, a lot of people, their first touch experience with Music for All is you. Yeah. yeah. And that's really, yeah. I mean, my first experience yeah. with you is walking up to a table in the middle of some giant parking lot <laughs> some maybe Louisville or somewhere where it's just sure. like here to set a table here's the packet you know and and then it's like you know you're you're the first person that everybody sees yeah. when they're at a show uh at Midwest you're the person yeah. that people walk up to and they're like hey when is the Louisville regional this year 
when is the San Antonio regional? And then, well, that must be so cool just to be uh, that first touch person because it's, it's positively it, life-changing. That's the whole idea well, of music for all. And you are that. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you just add the number of years that I did that. And, and, you know, gosh, Bobby, as you were saying that, uh, uh, you know, that, yes, I can fix so many things. Yes, that myth is out there. Um, I cannot fix weather, okay, for anybody who has ever thought between summer camp or fall that I can fix weather. I cannot fix weather. I will acknowledge that. I cannot fix parking uh, 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 parking tickets at summer camp because some folks think I can do that, and I can't. So those are two things I really can't fix. I can't fix a pandemic, even though I would have liked to have tried that here in this last year. However, the what I did learn over time, like so long ago, <laughs> I will not forget that it was one of the early years I was at the office, and you know we were begging bands, begging bands to come to us. So I'm at 89, 90, 91, begging directors, hey, come give us a try. Like, come on. What what's your stumbling block? Oh, I don't, I don't think we're ready. We're not, I love this phrase, we're not a BOA band. It's like there, you yep. do realize there that it is you, a lot. I, oh, all the time. It's like, do do you realize if you come to Bands of America, you are a BOA band. Isn't that cool? <laughs> That's all it is. So why don't you come and give us a shot? So finally, after just begging and pleading for guys to come, they would come and do a show and go, why did I wait so long? It's like, oh my God, are we really going right. to go there? Really? Really? And and now all these years, I think it's even a little bit harder because now that, that myth, of all things, bands of America that, yeah, we have all collectively built from the Bob Buckners, the Greg Bims, the Alfred Watkins, Ken Snook, uh, Wayne Markworth, like you can just, uh, Richard Saucedo, David Starr, all of these programs, coast to coast, north, south, east, west. Yes, we are all We've all helped us build this this monster, if you will. But it's such an incredible, it's such an incredible gathering of people. And especially, I think, in an interesting way now, now having talked to directors for months through the pandemic, to listen to directors of just saying, Let's get down to just the basics that need to happen. You all have been teaching teenagers, God love all of you, for years. They're teenagers. And many of you have done magical things with these teenagers. And now, one pandemic later, you have helped them become a a hopefully a stronger, more confident teenager. Because this is... This is something that is going to be part of their existence forever. They were in a time of a pandemic and it's, it has not been simple. And so many people have been making things up. We're making things up. We've had parents who've called in and said, oh my gosh, what's going to happen at a stadium this fall of XYZ show? 
Okay, ma'am, thank you so much for thinking that I had that answer. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still in my house working. I, I, I don't have that answer, but we're all going to try to get there together because that's what we're all doing right now. And isn't it interesting? Okay, both of you as band directors, isn't it interesting if we, even for a moment, think back to last March, think back to last April, when it was just more than chaotic, people, in my opinion, were going to music. Like, come on, we had every Disney sing-along available on TV. The concerts that folks were like, hey, man, we can't do a big concert, but we can do an acoustic here from my backyard, from the fire pit out in the back. That all the stars that were doing all of these musical moments and churches, if they were able to, you know, do something through bells or what have you, music was that 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 element of salve on our souls and then it also made me think if music education goes away people it this doesn't just happen people need to teach music so this is now more than ever so critical and yet again we've learned music is so important to the depths of our being as human beings. It's, it's, just, it's, it's just been an interesting time to look at that when you're thinking, hey, it's for happy times, we have music. It's for sad times, we have music. And sometimes music makes you feel good. And I think a lot of folks have got back into it. And it seems like a lot of folks have got back into playing their instruments. Come on, I had my piano tuned. <laughs> I haven't had my piano tuned in forever in a day. Bad me, I know, should not have. But I've I've had the piano tuner come out and what have I done every day? Oh my gosh, I've played the piano. It doesn't even matter what I'm playing. And ooh, all right, a little rusty, but hey, it comes back. You get back on that bike. And because it just, it sounds good. It feels good. And it makes my soul feel better because I can't control and make things better for all the directors out there. I'm trying. I've talked to folks. And when they've said, Cam, I just don't know what to do with my kids. Hey, do I need to find you a buddy? I'll find you a buddy. Let me find you a buddy. Not that anybody has the magic wand of what they're doing in their classroom, but let, let's give you ideas because my fear is if you as the director give up, oh, those kids are going to give up. Mm -hmm. And they have these stories that directors are telling me of the number of kids who've left their band, orchestra, or choir programs. Oh, it breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. Those kids are have set this aside because it wasn't it wasn't fun. It was hard. They were doing it from their home because a lot of those students were virtual for so long. And it makes sense to me, but I can't imagine a world where kids don't have all of these great things that come from musical activities. That's the little bit of a fear that I've got now. 
But when I hear directors even talking now about fall marching band or talking about next year's spring festival for music for all, they're talking about it as we want to take the kids to go do that. It's like, mm-hmm. great game no, on. Let's go. Do this. Yeah. Let's make it happen. And they're using that as a way to say, Hey, Cam, can we talk about Grand Nationals? It's like, mm-hmm. hey, you've not done that before. It's like, I know. We haven't told the kids yet. We're kind of looking at this. Can we talk a little bit more? Or maybe, oh, maybe, maybe we go to Orlando. Maybe we do the Orlando Regional. That way we can do a little playtime and we get the BOA Regional. It's like, oh, that would be so much fun. Or we could go to St. Louis. Or we could go to Indianapolis Super Regional. I have got some folks... Because, you know, I, I've got to take care of the directors. I called a couple directors this year when it, I saw that they had applied for Indianapolis Super. I said, excellent. Love to have you in town. You are coming to Lucas Oil. Did, did you see that I have a show at St. Louis that same weekend and you're passing through St. Louis that weekend? <laughs> did, did, did you did you see that? I just kind of right. want to know. Have you they are the same that? weekend. <laughs> and they went, oh, no, no, we saw that. We want a trip. Or okay. our kids, our seniors have never been, because we've been going to other regionals, our seniors have never been to Lucas. It's like, okay, that's great. And that's mm-hmm. their choice. But I've had those conversations and they've been delightful of, I just want to make sure you read everything (laughs) to make sure you realize you're doing like four extra hours on the bus when you didn't really need to. But it's logical because directors right now are coming out of this craziness. They know they want to do something for their kids. They want to get their kids engaged. They want to get more kids engaged or get some of them back into their programs. And that is the most energizing thing that I can possibly have right now. I want to see the kids because the directors are ready for it. I'm ready for it too. I think I would tell you, I think the kids are too. Oh, um, yeah. have we, to be. We've actually done a few. We've done a few. Mm-hmm. We've done a couple of marching band events, and then this past Friday we did a pizza and prep. It's a it, we, we yes. feed the kids pizza and we help Love them it. with their concert auditions with our kids. And we had <gasps> we had that. we had several freshmen sign up for it, but we had more of our high school kids sign up to just be there and be part of it. Oh. And that was really heartening awesome. to see. Um, so I think the kids are. What was great is we had an event two weeks ago, and we saw that. Okay, everything went all right. No, there wasn't yeah. a great plague of yeah. anything that came down on us. Yeah. And yeah. okay, so let's, I mean, we're still being careful. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. Absolutely. But at the same time, I think that there is a little bit of a, what's great is I think that there's a different view of music, especially, I, I can speak to the band world. There's a different view of the value of performance oh, and the value, yes. but also the value of just being together. Mm-hmm. Like that's very much so. That's pretty huge. Speak that kind of leads me into this this next thing that was there about you know that BOA Music for All has been really a platform for a lot of different people to experience 
national and international things from when the band went to Japan sure. uh, in the nineties to, you know, the honor band of America and the, the tournament of roses honor band. So it's, it's very much about letting people see things from a different perspective. You have been a woman in the profession for quite a bit of time. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that a little bit? And then can you maybe speak to young women right now uh, and what are some of the challenges maybe that you faced as you were going through that? Ooh. You know, the, the, even when I first got here to Bands of America at that, at that time, when I got into the office and Scott hired me, it, it was interesting from the perspective of, I had my colleague, Debbie Lafferty was with me and she had been there about three years ahead of my, my arrival. And we just kept thinking, we need to just push forward. We didn't, we didn't think a lot in terms of, of perspective of male, female at that time. However, however, as we continue to build Bands of America just up because we we were growing. We were just constantly growing. And, you know, we with the honor ensembles that we had to give the kids the opportunity to to do international because we did a a, a trip to Europe in 97 and then the 99 uh, trip to Japan to see any child, any child to give them an opportunity to be under our umbrella of a name and to have this experience. And there's other experiences that are out there, but I really believe that as we built the name Bands of America, there was this, this connection that just came with who we were, that it was wholesome, you were going to get quality, and you were going to get an experience, no matter what it was, summer camp, a fall marching band event, one of these tours, or then ultimately marching in the Tournament of Roses Parade. It would be what we have always termed that positively life-changing event. Love those things. I, I just think that has just been such an inherent part of how the organization grew. I also think even going back to a whitewater element, this entire organization started at that event in whitewater on this really small campus. And if I can go there for just a moment, I have felt for many, many, many years, when you got on the campus of whitewater back in those early days, it was so isolated and we could just do the good things that came of doing a camp. When the camp moved to ISU, Illinois State University, which it had to because we were had literally outgrown Whitewater, the campus of going to ISU, which worked so well for us with the facilities that they had, that was a great move at that time in 92. However, it was a very different feel. And I have always felt that I'm glad we didn't start at an ISU because, for instance, like you could see the Burger King right across the road. You could, there were just other elements of real life that were always in view at ISU. 
And it just had a different feel that when you were at Whitewater, number one, Whitewater is just a really small town that once you got onto campus, you just kind of stayed on campus. You didn't see anything else. You didn't see the McDonald's that was down the street. You didn't see the Taco John's that was just down the street because it was just so isolated. And I think that isolation, if you will, allowed the clinicians who were all in the dorms to hang out and get to know each other. And that foundation, I to this day really believe, created where and how we have grown over the years. This could have been very different, in my opinion, if we would have started on a different campus. So now as we move forward over time, um, it is interesting. If any job I ever had, uh, when, when I first got to Bands of America, when I was at a show, uh, I was doing band check-in, I'm doing things, I, I'm talking to directors. Uh, there was a time, oh my gosh, I, I, I don't even remember what band it was, but I was lining up bands for finale in Toledo, Ohio. That part I very much remember. In Toledo, Ohio. <laughs> I was trying to get directors uh, in the right order so we can come in and do the finale because that's always been our thing. And I was moving directors and told staff, like here's this wad of staff members, like folks, you have got to get out of the way because if you don't, I am moving children you're going to get run over. So can you please shift over to the side? <laughs> and I remember I had just made a really loud statement because, you know, hey, the old drum major side comes back out all the time. And I told all these folks to move out of the way and they were all the adults. And I remember this little drum major who was so cl close to me, she turned to her friend and she said, I want to be just like her someday. And it just, <laughs> oh my God, it was so funny. And I remember turning back to her and said, you should see me when I walk through an airport and I need to get from one gate to another. I can move people pretty quickly. She just thought that was the funniest thing possible. So I've just always done my thing. But Texas, like if we go to Texas here for a hot second, which Texas is a huge state with bands of America. Uh, we have a lot of bands down there. We currently have eight shows, count them, eight mm. in the state. Wow. And it, it's just it, it's just a state in and of itself. I have worked very hard on that state. And I say that from the perspective is I started going down to their conventions back in 1991. People didn't talk to me. The directors mm. would not come up and talk to me. I was a girl. I was a yeah. girl. And uh -huh. I was down in Texas. And I thought, what is happening? And folks would come up to the booth and they would go straight Scott McCormick, who was right there next to me, and they would start talking to him. And I thought, oh, uh, well, uh, Okay. All right. That's fine. I, they know Scott. Scott's been here. They know Scott. They want to say hi to him. But then as time went on, because I was going to Texas twice a year, TMEA and TBA, you know, folks would come up to the booth and say, hey, Scott, I need to know, you know, is there room in this show or what time am I on? And Scott would go, uh... Uh, you're going to need to speak with Cam. That's a Cam like, question. Wait, yep. wait what? And then they would say, oh, oh, you're Cam. Okay. You're Cam. Like, yes. Would you, would you like to talk about this? I've got all that information. 
So then they would talk to me. So I started to get those guys to understand Scott doesn't have those details. You can say hi to him. He didn't have the detail. I did. So I tried so hard to just continue working with those guys. And and even as time went on, okay, sure, I knew how to play the game. I, I, I made this up, but I was blown away the first time I saw that there were um, band directors that were coming to Texas Bandmasters and they, in summer, they bring their family. Okay, I, I was not prepared for that. I was not prepared for the little two or three-year-old tugging on the shorts of dad saying, daddy, daddy, daddy. And I'm trying to talk to dad in the booth. I just, <laughs> I had never been in a conference like that. So I thought, hmm, okay, we were still showing videos in our booth back at that time. So it got to a point, I would go and buy all of these boxes of uh, animal crackers, the ones with the little little handle that looks like it's a little circus mm-hmm. cage, the little yep. box. Those are pretty tasty. I, I would go, I will have some for you the next time I see the Jeff Young. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I would bring a bunch of those boxes, I don't know, 10 or so, and I would have those with me down at the booth for TBA. So band director and the wife, come down with the stroller and the little toddlers, they would come up to the booth. It's like, oh my gosh, number one, I got to see the family. It's like, oh, I have to. And I gave each of the kids one of the little boxes of animal crackers and said, would you like to watch a video? And I would go ahead put them over in front of our large video that was there. And you could tell that's not the first video they've seen of a marching band because they were like, oh my gosh, look at that. Mm -hmm. And then I could have my conversation with the the dad or mom, whoever was there. Right. I I just, it, it allowed me to do my job. And I, and then it's so funny because now some of these kids, uh, I've had directors tell me, uh, you do realize that child is now a senior. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I gave them animal crackers in my booth. Okay. Uh, you know, it was, it was just real interesting. And oh my gosh, slightly down the same vein on the year, the summer that Richard Crane beca- uh, became bandmaster of the year, uh, his lovely wife, Gail had asked uh, if I would be her guest at the spouse's luncheon and oh my gosh it was adorable I was honored I was honored to have been invited to this luncheon and Scott let me leave the booth so I had permission because I thought but I've got to stay at the booth I've got to do my job he said no 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 no. go go do the luncheon oh I learned really quick I was really struggling at that luncheon because it was these women were talking about their husbands which was great but Uh, That was not my normal kind Mm -hmm. of universe. I'm the one who talks to their band director husbands. Yeah. So it was just like, wow, I am really in a male dominated activity here. It's so interesting. But I just did my thing. I was going to say, it's so interesting that you didn't compromise who you were to fit something else. You just were yourself. And, like we, we kind of talk to all our students, you know, being yourself in sometimes a louder way than what you may be yeah. used to, to being there and just being consistent and persistent. I think that's what I'm hearing you. I just didn't have any other way to be because that just wasn't in my head. I wanted to get the job done 
and just keep moving forward and take care of the directors. I never had it in my head of, oh, wait a minute, I'm a girl. I, I, that just wasn't in my head. Now, I will though say a couple years ago, uh, there was a conversation that uh, if, if any folks may have heard or read the blog at the time, that in 2018, I was the first yes. female announcer at a Bands of America event ever, cool. ever. And that was not handed to me. I did audition because I said that was the only way I was going to do it. But I had brought that up in conversation with our folks who put together the team because they were talking about diversity. And when they, so that would have been fall of 17, there was a conversation about diversity and they said, oh my gosh, you know, we've got some other folks. We're going to widen the pool of people. And they talked about other guys. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, hey, we need more people because we have more shows like we're we've now had a number of years that we've done four shows on a weekend. That's that's a little draining for us. But we every once in a while we'll have a quad weekend. So we need a lot of people to do these events. And when they were talking about the diversity words that I've never said, but I did. And I told the folks, excuse me and forgive me. But I do have something to say about this. And these are not words that I ever bring up. You're mm-hmm. talking about diversity, but at a BOA show, you don't see the announcer. So you can't talk about the fact that maybe they're African-American or they are Hispanic or they are Caucasian. It's still a guy's voice. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's still a voice. You mm-hmm. do not see that person. So I at least said, would I have an opportunity to audition because of the fact I had been announcing the Lake Park Lancer Jouse since the <laughs> late 80s. Right. And I also, went to that one time. Uh, because Ken Snook asked me years ago, because Ken knew when I had done some announcing when I was still living in Michigan for the Michigan Color Guard Circuit. So Ken had asked me, like in either 88 or 89, would I announce the joust? And then I did it for many, 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 many years. Mm -hmm. And I'm still doing it. I missed a couple when they uh, had a director change. And I said, hey, you do whatever you want to do. But then I am now back and have been for a while. So that show has been happening for years. And then Scott Casagrande for a spring concert festival. I've, I've now announced that since 03. And in 2016, Illinois State, the state championship in Illinois, uh, needed an announcer on a weekend. And Mm. they asked me if I would do. I announced Illinois State in 2016. That's awesome. Unbelievable. Unbelievable experience. Uh, That was also the night that uh, I was able to say and got the words out before it hit everybody's cell phone that that evening I was able to say that the uh, Cubs were going to the World Series. Yes. (laughs) Mind blown. I got the words out right before that happened. But I auditioned and ended up announcing the first time in 2018 and we didn't realize it was going to be a big deal but 
Deb made a post about it of just saying, oh my gosh, you know, we're making history this weekend uh, at the Delaware show. Oh, oh my gosh. The video uh, or the, the post that had been put up on our website, it had been read thousands and thousands and thousands of times. Mm-hmm. And folks were like, oh my God, finally, we had no idea it would have struck a chord. And I said, I didn't do it for that reason. I didn't do it because I think I can. I was challenging my own department. Let's try some other jobs this fall. And I wanted to be an announcer. And Maddie Fitzgerald from my department wanted to learn a little bit more because she's very tech driven. She got up into the press box. Loved it. Uh, Jess Jelming, who's also in my department, did more work with events. We challenged all of us to do something a little bit different than just band checking. Yeah. Yeah. And it made all of us grow. And I wasn't doing it because I got I I've just never been one to say I'm female. I need to do this. Those, Those are just those words do not come out of my mouth. I just say I'm Cam and I want to do that. And I do it. So obviously, you know, as a staff, you guys have grown over the last decades yeah. as a corporation or as a nonprofit, you guys mm-hmm. have grown. What have you seen? I think one of the things I'm most interested to, to dive into, which you haven't talked about yet, is what do you see in the bands from 30 years ago till today? Like what what stands out to you as being like the the things that have changed the most about the bands? And maybe what also has stayed the same? Mm-hmm. I'm going to start with the stay the same part. Okay. At least to start with. To me, it's that camaraderie. At the end of the day, I mean, come on. You can look at band. You can look at the VHS tapes, which I have right here at my house. You can see the tapes of bands of old. And yes, we've watched the activity grow from both drum corps and band. And it's amazing stuff. What kids are doing and have been doing for a number of years, absolutely amazing stuff. And that's also though coming from all of you as directors and staff and how you push those kids to do these incredible things, which even back in the 70s, I, they were pushing us to do those things too because it was just all evolving and all these creative people were doing their thing. It was wonderful. At the end of the day, it was working on something together. The highs and lows, like, come on, you still remember that rehearsal when the sprinklers went off in the middle of it because you're out someplace and somebody forgot to tell you that the sprinklers come on automatically or the rainstorm that comes out of nowhere or when you all had to run into the gym to do a standstill because the outdoor contest got got just destroyed due to weather. You remember the goods and the bads, but it's so It's just an inherent part of a young, impressionable teenager's life because there's so many friends of mine now that say, I remember being in the band. I remember the band trips. I remember the band trips. And come on, at the 10-year reunion, the 20-year reunion, like folks weren't talking about, gosh, I remember history class. I remember chemistry class. They remember the trips. They remember those musical entities that that 
I still believe today kids are going to go off and do these other experiences in life as they grow and, and do college and start families and all of those things. I think inherently it's an incredible activity that builds memorable experiences and that touches us as humans and folks are not going to forget that. And especially now after a pandemic, because none of this was our choice to have had so much taken away from us this last year. The world and the universe said, man, you're not going to do that. There's going to be a reset on life. And we all had to deal with it. And some folks are still coming out of it. We've got folks in the country ahead of it more than others. I've just had some band directors who saw their children for the first time uh, mm -hmm. March 29. I mean, I'm still dealing with this. I'm, I'm talking to directors in a given day of, wait a minute, you've been in for a short period of time. You've never missed a day of school since, you know, last August. Everybody is in their own, they're in their own book of how they've done the pandemic. And now it feels like, okay, here we are going into the fall of 2021. I need kids. I want kids in my heart, in my soul right now. I want to see kids doing kid things. Yeah, all right, we're going to compete this fall because that's just what we do. It is competitive. I want kids to be kids. I want the most traumatic thing for a child to be dealing with this fall is, am I going to get asked to go to homecoming? Yeah. Like, I, I don't want it to be a mask and, and social distancing and, and you know, what can we do or can't do? Kids have come so far. I want kids to be kids and love this activity. And whether that's show choir or choir, band, chamber orchestra, uh, a, a, a string orchestra, marching band, just watching kids say, okay, tell us what we need to do. We need to wear the mask. Okay, great. Let's go. Like, Kids have seemed so resilient, God love them, that I'm kind of energized of the kids who have stuck with life, who have somehow, by the grace of God, got through this last year, whether it's from those of you as teachers, those of you as directors, who have helped them through this craziness and help them in ways that probably you don't even know yet and might not ever know for years. But I have felt that for so long with directors. You all have amazing opportunities to mold this child in life. Boy, you've really all stepped up to that this year. And now for all of us to get out and do things this fall, and even some directors have said, oh, Cam, we might not be able to do BOA this fall. Hey, are you going to do something this fall? Are you going to do your local shows? Well, yeah, we, we, yeah it's, it's budget stuff and we need to stay local. You know what? Great. Get those kids yeah. going. Local is great. I, hey, I would love to have you at our show. And hey, I've got room. If it changes, let me know. I would love to have you at our celebratory show. But hey, if it's not meant to be, no need to push. There's no stress. We've all had enough stress to last us, most of us for the rest of our lifetime. We don't need that stress. Let's get back to 
what we love to do, make music, compete, don't compete, whatever it is you want, but let kids have those experiences and those opportunities, which will help them. It will help all of us get back into these wonderful musical, uh, heart emoting elements of life and then I think the world's going to be okay. And hey, if you stay close to home because that's best for you right now, that makes me happy. You're doing something. What I can't handle right now is when a director or the kids have just given up. And I understand that. Oh my gosh, I will not tell you that last summer was easy. Last summer was brutal. Being a single person in my house watching all of marching band fall by the wayside, saying that Bands of America was not going to be in person, which was the only answer that could have occurred. But hearing that was devastating. I was a mess of just, I can't understand what is happening. And I'm trying to help the directors because that's what I've always done. I'm trying to help the directors And then at five o'clock, I'd go, oh, my gosh, I don't have anyone to help me right now. Hold on. (laughs) And granted, I had some really good friends who were like, hey, I'm asking you. And of course, I would say, oh, you know, work's going fine. No, no, Cam, we're asking about you, not Bands of America. It's like, okay, I, I mix those up sometimes. But I had some very good friends who just knew I was I just wanted to help directors and I've always done that. That's just how I've been wired. But now, oh my gosh, to have watched directors just say, you know, we're doing the best we can. Hey, that's great. That's what you, that's what you were doing. Keep your kids engaged, keep those instruments in their hands and keep making music. That's all I can ask right now. And we're going to get to the other side of this. I don't know what it's going to look like, but we're, We're going to get there. We're going to get there. And I then get a little energized to think, oh, my God, I can't wait to see students. I can't wait. We've done a couple live showcases. So I've seen some students uh, via uh, Zoom, which has been great to hear that music. And I go, oh, my gosh, they're making music. And it sounds awesome. Like, holy cow, that's great. And a lot of directors have even told me, hey, you know, we we have not had a chance to perform as an ensemble, but a lot of directors have said, we work so hard on individual skills. Our kids are playing better than they've ever played. It's like, there you go. That just made my day. You're doing your job. I think we're all looking forward to a little bit more uh, cohesiveness in our groups. (gasps) Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And that'll come. But they kept the kids engaged. Yeah. I think that was the I, critical part of it. I think the thing that, that people should and could also understand with this is be, I think when you think BOA music for all grand nationals mm-hmm. is one of the first thing that pops into your mind, but mm-hmm. nobody, I don't think people know as easily about the concert festival. And even from mm. there, down to the affiliate festivals yes. that are out and around. And having judged a couple of those, I can tell you there are bands from every level you can imagine, uh, early middle school 
type bands that are, you know, just getting into grade two and some grade three literature all the way up to some Midwest caliber groups. So if, sure. if I'm a band cam that maybe, maybe we haven't, we can't do grand nationals. Okay, fine. For whatever sure. reason, or maybe we've never done anything with music for all. What are some entry level things that we could look at that might be a little less scary? And I would say it's more for the b- director. It's mostly frightening them sure, sure. <laughs> than the students. Well, what sure, are some entry sure. level things to do? Oh my gosh. And, and, Funny that you phrase it kind of as you just laid that out there, because this fits with back years ago when we were yet showing videos uh, at conferences such as the Midwest, where so many varied people would come up to the booth. And then we would continue to go to other state conferences. I got to a point of saying, hmm, I know we all like to watch that video. And again, that's when we were showing videos in a booth. But it, I, it clicked on me one day. I don't want to show that video in this booth. Why? Because when you see grand national bands, I'm sorry, I don't know that I could have been in a grand national band to see what kids are doing in today's universe. Those are incredible incredible performances and demands on those children. That's not the average band, shall we say. That's an incredibly Mm -hmm. talented and a whole product of time that has been built by the staff and worked on with those kids. I said for many years, hey, I want to show just a single day regional because that's more accessible to folks. So for that director who's coming up and may have heard our name before, it's like, you know what? We've got a regional just down the road from you. Here is even a a fabulous way to come in and give us a try. Uh, Not a lot of folks have used it over the years, but we still have it to this day. Any band could come to a Bands of America event, get all of the bells and the whistles, and get evaluated just like every other band, but they don't have to compete within that show. Mm -hmm. They are still going to get the evaluation, It's called a a division rating only, okay? That what happens is we will prepare a set of scores for them because we we don't even tell the judges, oh, by the way, that band is not competing today because why would the judges need to know? I want the judges to look at them just like they looked at everybody else. So the judges don't know that that might be a division rating only band. So they get evaluated the exact same way, but we do not put their score on the recap. It will, in essence, kind of look like that band was never, ever at that stadium for that weekend because there's not a digital footprint of them on that recap. Mm -hmm. But we will give a private recap, a one page that will show them here is all of your scores. Here is where you would have landed if you would have chosen to compete. And we also, they can look at their recap. They can figure out where they would have landed. But this way they get all of the evaluation, no pressure. And it gave them the opportunity to be in the stadium. We do believe, and I fully believe this, the aura that folks get within the stadium is pretty special for a lot of folks. 
that mm -hmm. feel that they're not there to think, oh my God, I'm going to win or, oh my God, I'm going to make finals, which, hey, I've had some folks and this is legit. We've, we're still back in the RCA dome that for groups that over time, and I've been here for many, many years, would look at a recap and get so caught up in the recap after the show was done. I will not talk to anybody about a recap after the show is done. Can't do it. Mm -hmm. Won't do it. However, I've seen bands. There was a band who had left Indianapolis after Grand Nationals years ago, after I had just been uh, sort of put through the mill, shall we say, by someone who is incredibly displeased after a national uh, finals show. And I said, look, we can talk on Tuesday when I'm back in the office, but why don't you just, you get ready for your trip home and that's what we need to do. And on that Tuesday, I had a band director who called me up. I don't know, I think it was either Kentucky, I think it was Kentucky or Tennessee. And somebody called up and said, oh, Cam, I have to tell you about what happened. It's like, okay. And I have no idea where he's going to go with it. <laughs> I knew the band probably ended up down somewhere in like the 80th or 90th of the show. They said, oh my gosh, when we came home, we hit the county line. We were met with the police escort. It's like, what? And they said, well, yeah, because we had just been at nationals. It's like, oh my God, yes. And then mm -hmm. they had the police escort over to the school. When they got to the school, the fire trucks were in the parking lot to do that little, I don't know what it's called, but the water thing that you've seen on TV or movies. So it was all of this celebratory. Everybody was there from the community because they had been at Grand Nationals. Right. And I said, you have no idea how much I needed this story because I dealt with someone who is so not happy and who was a finalist. And my thought at that time was, wow, I, I've got, I'm sure band 13 right now would have loved to take in your spot. Right. And here was a band 80 or 90th place that just said, oh my God, we had such a great time. We met all of these kids from all of these other places. Oh my gosh, this was awesome. And it's just, you take those stories or uh, even, even here in fall of 19, so it's the last fall that we were all together. And I had a band who had just started participating with us. And I was uh, at one of our Sunday clinics. Which, again, is an opportunity that I think some directors don't understand, even if they do participate with us, that we have these educational Sunday clinics that directors can take part in on Sunday, the day after the event. It's not for the kids, but it's for the directors to sit and talk with the judges. And it's it's not a critique. You are not going through numbers. You are not going through that recap, but it's an opportunity to talk about things they can work on for the rest of their season. And for many of them, they're never even going to do another BOA show. They are going to go on to do their state show, but our folks will chat with them musically. They'll chat with them visually. They can even talk about, wow, um, uh, sometimes directors bring in a, a, a video and say, we didn't even show this to you at the show on Saturday, but this is the next movement. But God, we're struggling with this transition. Mm -hmm. I've watched the whole staff there go, well, why don't you try this? Or why don't you try this? And that 
team of staff members walked out with all these ideas that they could put into play this next week. It's part of the education. It's helping right. the kids. It's helping the bands. But, you know, I, I, just one other cute little story that I had just heard. It's one of the last ones I, I really heard from 19, that a director who they had really not been at nationals before, uh, they came up, small band, uh, private school, and they were in the hallway and, and they were not yet fully into warm up. And somebody came out and I guess the way it was told to me by the director, somebody from Broken Arrow who was in warm up and said, oh, my gosh, we need this instrument. Like something was just wrong. It wasn't a fixable thing. And this band director who was just like, hey, we're just getting involved in BOA said, well, we can let you use this one. So this, this little girl hands over her instrument and Broken Arrow's like, oh my gosh, thank you. We'll give it to you right after we're done. So Broken Arrow's all happy. They go and do their thing. They get the instrument immediately back to the girl. And I don't, she must, they must have talked about something of, oh my gosh, that's Broken Arrow. And the little girl cut the instrument back in her hands. And she's looking at it like, oh, my God, it's been it's been touched by somebody from Broken Arrow. <laughs> and the director looked at her and he said, are, are you OK? And she said, do you think it'll play better now? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the Beatles. Oh, my God. I, it's like, that's awesome. OK. Yeah. That was just the power of the kids, the power of the kids in the back hallway. Like, oh, my gosh, it's it's going back to Jackson Academy back in what? I don't know. Ninety three, ninety four. Bruce Carter said, hey, Cam, I want you to come and meet the kids in the band. So I met the kids in the band. Oh, my gosh. They were they were shorter than I was. They were seventh and eighth graders. They were seventh <laughs> and eighth graders. And I look at these kids and Bruce is introducing uh, me to them over in the airlock. We were still in the RCA dome. And it's, it, it, we already knew those kids had made the buzz on the stadium that weekend. Everybody was talking about them. Sure. And I met these kids and they were the youngest. And they're going, oh my gosh, they don't even know what they're doing. They are doing what they had been taught to do. You put that uniform on, you put them out on the field and said, go, boom. They just turned into... Well, this is what we have learned. This is what we do. And they knocked it out of the park. They had no idea what they were doing. And I love that transformation to say, you're teenagers and you're kids. And I love when I can see them in a back hallway and go, oh my gosh, you're really such a teenager right now. It's adorable. But it's like you put this uniform on, those kids can do anything, anything. And that's, I think it's I, well, I think probably that is what the, we've had all this time. Well, that's what I was going mm -hmm. to say. I think that that is the Cam Stasa comment that encapsulates you yeah, that's so well. Of you, yeah, you can do anything, and the band <laughs> is is kind of the vehicle to get you there because you have done. Yeah. Like I, I would say this: if you take Cam Stasa out of the development of Music for All. I don't mm -hmm. know what you would have. And it may be a little chicken, the egg kind of conversation there. But I think as you grew up and the company matured, the nonprofit matured, oh, sure. there was this magic sure. that happened there. And, and you, you have created positively life changing 
opportunities for so many. And I mean, we could, we could talk to you, like, I, I guarantee you there are about 20 more stories that are here. And so we would challenge anybody the next time you're at a state meeting, a state convention, go by follow the up on all booth. this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And ask Cam, just just even say a random band director name. And she's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yes. Like she can say, oh, that band director knows this person who went here and actually is my hairdresser now. Like you, I know that you have so many connections. We could sit here all night. But I, I think the big thing that I take away from this is Cam Stasa is unapologetically Cam Stasa. And thank God for it because that person has made... Yep. We're all better because of yeah. you. Oh yep. my gosh! <laughs> like if again, if you don't know Cam, uh, you're not a real band director just yet. <laughs> you'll get because, there. Yeah, you'll get there. Just Cam, you'll run thank- into her in the middle of a giant parking lot somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and we are making sure this fall that uh, we already said for this fall season, I need to be in the parking lot. I'm only going to do one announcing show. Just because I, I I don't want it to lose that opportunity, but I flat out mm-hmm. amongst ourselves said I need to be in the parking lot because the, and honestly that's where I want to be right now because I think the parking lot this fall is going to be electric. Absolutely. We're going to be together. Well, listen, guys, in our audience, I hope you get a chance to hang out in that parking lot this summer uh, with Cam and. Um, but, you know, we're, we've already gone over the time we usually go because it was such a great conversation. But I got to say, thank you for being here, Cam. And thank you to our listeners. And until next time, I'm Jeff Young. And I'm Bobby Lambert. And this is That Band Life.